Today uh, is, is a, it's just a fun day. We, we uh, uh, just had a great time, first service, a um, little bit different. We're not, we don't have a sermon uh, today. Rory's gone. Uh, he's down in, in Lake Shasta. And as I did first service, I just want to quickly just read a, a text message that he sent a few of us. So he's down there at Lake Shasta, not just vacationing, but there's a group of college students from Oregon State that are down there. And so he's ministering to them, and he's teaching them down there about God's love for the unreached people groups, God's love for the nations, not just Corvallis, not just Prineville, not just the United States, but for all the nations. And, and here's what he sent us yesterday, you guys. Having a very powerful time down here, had 25 people come forward feeling called to the unreached this weekend. Another 10 came forward. Another came, 10 came forward to study to use their degree and vocation for mission. And about six have responded to the call of salvation. So uh, just an awesome time that's going on down there. Um, and I'm not sure exactly. Blaine, do you know when he's coming back? Yeah, we don't know. So it's soon. But uh, anyway, continue to pray for their time. Uh, he'll probably be back here. So. Uh, at some point. So anyway, uh, that kind of gave us the leeway to do with what we wanted today, you know. And so hopefully uh, the Holy Spirit led us to what we're doing today. And, and you guys, we just had a, a, a really great time for service. And so it's going to be a little bit different, but uh, um, nonetheless, it's going to be powerful. And, and uh, it was just really cool. We had, uh, so what we're going to do today, uh, we're going to have people come up here that went to Boise, some of the people that went to Boise uh, this last week. And just just share their heart and their testimony with what God, how God is meeting them, what God has been doing in their heart and their lives. And, and, and we're a church that wants to constantly give glory to God, right? We're a church that wants to, like, make a big deal about Jesus. And um, as you guys know, on Easter, we had a, a whole bunch of people come forward in a water trough and be baptized. And, and God's just doing some great things in this church. And we want to continue to, to brag about the Lord and the things that he has done and Psalm 96 kind of wraps up our heart really well here. It says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. So we're going to tell of his works today, what God is doing in our lives. Um, as you guys know, um, we, we've gone to Boise year after year, this conference uh, my wife and I have gone for the last eight years. I'm not sure how long we've been going in a church, maybe just a little bit longer than that. It's just been a time of, of, of uh, just refreshment. We've been blessed every time, taking something away new every time. And we know that not all of you got to go. And so we want to tell you, like just like going to Nepal, we came back and it's like, here, here, listen to what God is doing. Here are the great things of God. And so as we went to Boise, we know that you guys couldn't all make the trip and we just want to tell you more about what God's doing and how great he is and what he's doing in our individual lives we want to testify to the great things of God and so that's what we're going to do today um, we we typically go down it's a Friday so it was this last weekend we go down on a, on a Friday some people leave Thursday uh, and Friday there's a couple sessions then it rolls into Sunday and what I mean by sessions there's a couple people teaching and at, at the Calvary Chapel of Boise, and it's a very large church, and there's uh, several hundred people that are there um, from kind of all over the West Coast, I guess. Um, and so they had some, some great speakers. They'll come, and, and then had some great 
uh, leaders in music, so we worship the Lord in music, and um, then go eat eat some food together, our church family here, we took like 30-some people, I think, it was pretty awesome, and um, then Saturday rolls around, and we hear another handful of speakers again, uh, and then just uh, hang out together as a family again, spend the rest of the day together, uh, eat some more great food, then Sunday rolls around, we go to the uh, worship services there uh, at Calvary Chapel, Boise, and then, and then head home. And so we just spend a, a, a good chunk of the day together. And you're going to hear uh, these guys are going to come up today and tell you about like some what, how the Lord ministered to them from the, how the speakers spoke to their hearts or just how the trip just going up there, riding up there, and just different things and, and just kind of give you a, a, a sneak peek or a, a, a picture into, into what God was doing there. So um, anyway, I want to leave time for people to to get going. So uh, why don't we have, just wrote a list out here, no particular order. Uh, Jeremy, why don't you lead off, uh, why don't you lead us off this service here? Thank you, Kevin. I was not the order we had last service, so (laughs) this is fabulous. No, just playing. Um, Yeah, what a great time, what a great weekend. Um, just spent with um, several folks in the church, just um, traveling. We got the privilege of riding um, for five hours the way there, five hours the way back with Jason and Kayla. Just got a great opportunity to get to know them as a couple. My wife and I, we hadn't really got a chance to spend much time with them. So had some great conversation. Um, basically wrote the how-to parenting book there and back. Basically, there was one line that said, with Jesus, um, is what we all came to the conclusion of. Um, great weekend. Spent some time with Dan and Jess Freeoff as well, playing games we, into the wee hours of the morning. Um, who would have known the types of things that Dan Freeoff and Jason Luker can think up at midnight? Um, I don't know. We were walking through Walmart, midnight, looking for 1,200 feet of saran wrap. I don't know. It was crazy work of the Lord. Um, but really, when we think about the conference, there was a ton of great speakers, uh, a lot of speakers um, that they, they touched on a, a, several different topics, but I think one of the, the main topics that just um, kind of ended up being a thread for me and my heart and where the Lord was working in me was just this, this idea of trials and testimony, trials and testimony, trials and testimony, just over and over and over again. And one of the speakers um, really um, dived into Luke 8, where we're talking about um, Jesus um, coming across um, the sea comes onto the shore, runs into um, a gentleman that um, is possessed by demons. And I just wanted to, to briefly um, read that, that passage, if, if I may. So they arrived in the land of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. Homeless and naked, he had lived in a cemetery for a long time. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell to the ground before him, screaming, Why are you bothering me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was shackled with chains, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. What is your name? Jesus asked. Legion, he replied, for the man was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. A large herd of pigs were feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons pleaded with him to let them enter into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission, so the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake where they drowned. 
When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby city and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. A crowd soon gathered from Jesus, soon gathered around Jesus, for they wanted to see for themselves what had happened. And they saw the man who had been possessed by demons sitting quietly at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind. And the whole crowd was afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in that region begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left. Crossing back to the other side of the lake, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go, too. But Jesus said, No, go back to your family and tell them all the wonderful things God has done for you. So he went all throughout the city telling about the great things Jesus had done for him. And for me, what resonated with me in that passage is you see this man completely overtaken by evil, completely overtaken by demons, just living a life that most of us in this room have never even experienced. Jesus walks on the scene, casts those demons out, and instantly this guy's life has changed. And he has a testimony now. Everything that had happened up until his point, this moment in time is his testimony now. And now his testimony comes forward, and Jesus Christ is his testimony. And everybody in this room, everybody at that conference has a testimony that Jesus has given us, whether we've experienced a life like this man that the passage is talking about, or whether we were born and raised in church, you know, and have known Jesus our entire life. We have a testimony, and God is glorified in us spreading that testimony. Our testimony is a gift from Christ, and our work here is to glorify him, and he is glorified. In our, in, in our testimonies. If we hold these testimonies in, if we keep them to ourselves, he can never be glorified. And we might be passing by certain people that need to hear that testimony so that they too can come to know Jesus Christ and share in a testimony that he has for them. Okay, so that's just what the Lord was really working on me in my life and the trials that come um, through our lives as believers or unbelievers. We, we have a testimony and, and Jesus wants to take that testimony and use it to glorify himself. A few of the, the things, that, three key points that I, that I wrote down throughout the weekend. As we discover that he is the I am, it really does change our lives. So as we continue to seek Jesus and, and know a lot about Jesus, that's great. But when we know Jesus, okay, where I was at in my life six months ago, I knew a lot about Jesus. I knew a lot about him. I knew what the Bible said. I knew how to raise my hands. I knew how to pray, kind of. I knew a lot about him. But I didn't know Jesus like I know Jesus today. So we need to continually to seek and discover that he really is the I am. And when we do that, he promises to change our life. He is alive in our past, and therefore we know that he's alive in our future. Okay, so we can look back at our past life, at our testimony, where we've come from. We can see him working in times. We can see him working in different places and moments in time. And because of that, we know that he has our future, that he is alive in our future. And finally, he is invading the lives of those who are seeking him and those whom he is calling. He is invading the lives of those who love him, of those who follow him, of those who will turn when he calls. He invades our lives. That's what he wants to do. That's what he does. He invades our lives. And that's what we want. That's what we desire. That's what we seek for. That's what we should be wanting, desiring, and seeking for. I was thinking in the, the words of the, one of these songs today, it says that he sh- should give his only son, his only son, to make a wretch his treasure. It's huge. He wants to invade our lives. The theme of the conference for me is that he just wants to invade our lives. He wants to use our testimony. He wants me to use this testimony that he has given me 
to proclaim his goodness and his, his glory and what he can do with a wretch like me. Uh, we got to roll through these. So, Pam, why don't you come on up? Why don't you come up? <clears throat> Good morning. <laughs> so, um, I marked all these Bible verses, but I'm probably not going to go to all of them. But, um, I mean, I was able to not only be able to participate in the trip to Boise, but um, Nepal, and just the same theme has been coming, just especially over the last year, but just really since Nepal and, and going forward, um, just love, just God's love, Jesus' love. I mean, how are we showing his love? How, how are we living? How are we acting? I, um, I mean, that's just, and especially this weekend, it was... Uh, it's just what do people see when we're when we're in the grocery store? We're in a hurry and we're just doing our thing. And your your cash your checker just seems like she's just not having a good day. And you're like you're kind of irritated because they're not being very friendly. And it's like what are you doing? What are you doing to just a smile or a, a conversation could totally have made that person's day. You don't know what they had just gone through. Um, just little things like that and this loving, just being um, selfless. I mean. Just in, um, I've just been convicted on how selfish I am. You know, you think, oh, you're not, I think to myself sometimes, oh, I'm not selfish, and I do this, and I do that, and I do this, but how's your heart when you're doing it? Are you doing it because you want to, and you want to show the love of Jesus? Are you doing it because you feel like you have to? You know, the Lord isn't calling us to do stuff out of duty. He wants us to do it because we want to do it, because we want to show his love. We want to just, I don't know, whenever I get at speaking in front of people, so I apologize. But, um, I mean, I'm good at talking, just not like in a structured setting sometimes. Um, I don't know, I'm just sitting back and just, what, to be honest, what really, really struck me this weekend especially after being from Nepal is being from Nepal, being in Nepal is they had a, a gentleman from India. Um, they do a lot of missions. They've got like a, a mission, uh, orphanage that they partner with the Boise um, Calvary Chapel does. And they're the guy that kind of leads it in India spoke and um, just the self selflessness and, and doing things that you don't want to do, but doing it because you love people. Um, I mean, Jesus didn't want to die on the cross. I mean, he says in Gethsemane, he's like, you know, if there's any other way, but he did it because he loves us. He was selfless. He did it for us, and we didn't deserve it. You know, how many times do you sit there and you're like, you don't feel like doing something? You're like, and what's the first thing you say? I don't want to do it. I don't feel like it. I, you know, it's selfish. And, but that's, I mean, we need, to, we need to be selfless. We need to be more selfless, and we need to pray to be more selfless. And it's a struggle with everybody. It's a struggle. How many, I mean, like at work sometimes, I'll be, you get certain, say, certain customers or certain people you work with that just are a struggle to be with long periods of time sometimes, and you're frustrated. And, but 
you gotta love them. I mean, don't, one of our employee meetings while I was in Nepal, somebody said to everybody, because there was some turmoil going around, and they, a leader said, um, you don't have to like everybody you work with, you just need to be nice to them. And when I found out that she'd said that, I thought it just broke my heart, because what, what a horrible thing to say. You don't have to like the people you work with, but you just have to be nice to them. Well, how genuine is that? We should be loving everybody as Christians. We should be that person that they see and, and you're just loving them. And I don't know. And some of the examples of just the people dying of AIDS in India and these kids that are just dropped off. And the one testimony was a 17-year-old boy that um, was 40 pounds. And they have to deal, you know, month, yearly um, with these kids that are dying and they know they're going to die because they have AIDS and um, they take care of them and um, this boy they ask them at the end when they know they're getting close to their the time and they ask him you know what what's your dying wish and this boy 17 years old says I want um, I think the his wife's name was Victoria I believe he's like I, I want um, sister Victoria to hold me in her arms he's wanted to be loved I mean people the society looks at him and they're unlovable they've got leprosy, they've got AIDS, they've got disease, or that person's irritating, and I just don't want to have to hang out with them that long. It's like, how do you know what, what they've been through, what their life is? Show them love. You know, I mean, none of us are better than anybody. We all need to just be an example. And um, anyways, this love was the main, the main thing for me. So, anyway. Uh, Dan? Dan, you want to come up? All right, praise God. Uh, Pam, that was beautiful. Jeremy, that was much better than first service. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I would come up with... Uh, what I did was I just kind of looked back and, and tried to summarize uh, the different speakers that spoke to us and uh, just basically kind of uh, give you the brief pictures. It was really hard to summarize that weekend. Um, but I would definitely back up. I think the message of just God's love uh, was definitely the predominant theme uh, that kept speaking to my heart uh, was just God's love and uh, trying, to, trying to grasp that as a, a sinful man walking around uh, and have that understanding of what that is and what that looks like. Uh, it can feel overwhelming at times. Um, but, uh, you know, the first guy that spoke uh, um, was uh, science and faith, a very educated man, incredibly smart. I, th I know that uh, he dumbed it down for me in a lot of ways uh, because he was uh, um, just really used the tool of his mind that God has given him to invest into God in just beautiful ways and explaining that to people. And uh, so he was really uh, great to listen to. One of the examples um, um, that he shared was he was in a cab, I forget the country, but uh, it's, uh, the driver has a 12-year-old son, and they got on the topic of heaven and hell. And um, the gist of the conversation was basically you raise sons, and of course, uh, you know, for me, this is definitely a very personal uh, speaks to a very personal level, I think, for most of us. Um, but, you know, you raise a son uh, who you love tremendously, and through that, um, 
sometimes sons walk away from the family. Um, and as a, as a father, the love that you have for them, what do you do? And ultimately, you give them the choice. Um, that is the, that, that's the love of a father, is it's their choice to do, uh, have that freedom in life. And that is what God has given us. And, and not only has God given us that, he's, he's given us that through a God that has personally experienced tragedy through the death of his son for us. And so he understands. He gave us that option in the sacrifice of his son, knowing that people will walk away from that. Um, but that is, that's how much he loves us. Um, and uh, that's just... Uh, again, the, the, just the top of, of God's love is just, uh, it's just beautiful. Um, another man, uh, I think it was Rick, uh, he talked about um, basically touching again. I think kind of what Pam was uh, talking about too is just like, is God wants to use you. It, it, you know, you don't wake up in the morning, um, well, I do sometimes, and uh, essentially saying, you know, God, please use me today. That's not the God we're serving. He's eagerly, the Holy Spirit will, he wakes you up every morning with your breath in anticipation of using you. And it's really just having that uh, uh, understanding that, that um, Jesus has given the authority and that what uh, Jeremy alluded to in the, the story of, of the man with the legion of demons who, um, I mean, uh, as he mentioned in this, you talk about a conversion, man, that's a powerful conversion. A, a legion of demons was uh, pulled out of this man and he came to know Christ. And that's, that's the same authority that God has given us. And so, um, just in the morning, I mean, that's, that's you know, waking up in the morning is understanding that we don't have to be asking God to use us. He's eagerly waiting for us to do his will and to, to do the work, uh, be his hands and feet every day. Um, and then the other man, Ed, um, just talked about, uh, you know, he, he suffered extreme tragedy losing his son, um, but just how God reveals himself through tragedy because uh, the truth is all of us have tragedy in our past, and uh, um, this kind of leads into Guna as well, I think, um, who is the, the man that uh, is in India um, and just had story after story about, um, I mean, literally children left for death um, that because they have AIDS or um, all kinds of reasons, literally just le left in a trash pile, and, and I guess the quote, fortunate ones are found and brought into an orphanage. Um, but just the transition in their hearts um, as the kids grow up and some get older. And people from the outside looking in that see these kids um, that initially, uh, I think, walk a lot. You know, I, I just picture them. I've, I've seen small portions of it. But walking around, heads down with no hope in life initially. And then the transition that that happens just from people that are willing to demonstrate God's love by going and doing and the transformation and the joy that is brought to their hearts uh, because of who God is and what God has done for them and simply just demonstrating love to them. And these kids become joyful. Um, and one of the things that he talked about was like they have this hope of like having a week-long camp for these kids to, that really, from the world's perspective, have no hope in life, but from God's perspective, have every hope in, you could ever imagine. Uh, and just given this week of joy, and that's something that really just uh, stuck out to me, and just what a beautiful thought of just investing into these kids that have nothing, uh, again, have nothing according to the world, but have everything in Christ. Um, so, um, and, and so kind of tying it together, I guess, in summary for me, 
Um, you know, I, I haven't been at this church a real long time, but I've been here long enough to know that uh, it's, a, um, it's on the right path. It's a church that is uh, um, seeking the clarity of God and the truth of God and, and the, holy, the direction from the Holy Spirit. And it's a church that is uh, sending people, um, I think of Chad, even been sent locally, just the examples that's been set before us. Um, and I know people think, you know, just, just asking God to be used. Um, and through that, though, uh, if I sit back uh, and uh, I'm the type of person sometimes that when I really think about all the suffering in the world, it's easy for me to almost feel overwhelmed at times because I'll go, what do I do? I mean, God, what do I do in Prineville? Uh, it's, it just seems overwhelming to me. But, you know, what we're called to do is wake up in the morning, I think, and uh, put our hands up and say, your will be done. That's it. Uh, you know, and when we do that uh, through him every day, um, that's how we get to experience the, the beautifulness of his work through tragedy, and we get to experience people being sent out to different nations, people being sent out locally in, in our nation, people that are truly making disciples, um, people that are um, just really invested in the importance and the encouragement that that, that comes that's uh, relatively new in my life, surrounding myself with really good people, the encouragement that that gives. Um, it's, it's just so important. And I uh, read this just the other day, and it says, uh, <clears throat> just stumble across it. I'm not sure who wrote it. If God has directed you, excuses are a sign of pride. <clears throat> of pride. God is not about to set you up for failure. And uh, we just serve a faithful God. It's so evident in the Bible. It's, uh, he's relentless in his faithfulness and love for us. And uh, all we have to do is just submit to that. And even through our resistance, God prevails. And if you risk too much, though, uh, you might get eaten by a whale, uh, which is not a good thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, that is the God that we serve. And even through that, though, God's faithfulness prevails. Um, and so we just have to acknowledge that and, uh, I think, seek that. And every morning we wake up to say, God, it's your will today. If it's in Prineville, praise God. If it's in Redmond, praise God. If you call me to Nepal, praise God. Uh, it's yours. How about uh, Delina? Your turn. All right. Well, this was the first time that um, I was able to go to the conference, and so it was a really fun experience just getting to know um, people better and um, having just time to fellowship, just uninterrupted, kid-free, all of those things. So it was a really... Um, really just relaxing and, um, and really good weekend. Um, one of the things that really stuck out to me through the whole weekend has just sort of been the theme of um, my life, I think, over the last um, several months. But um, just a reminder that God's past faithfulness demands our present trust. So um, the, the, um, one of the speakers said, you know, if, if God is 
blessing you and is meeting you in your times of joy, then of course he's going to be there in your times of trial. And a lot of the people that were speaking um, talked about um, past trials that they have gone through and just in those testimonies, like Jeremy was saying, you know, using those to ultimately just bring glory to God and um, and just um, just a reminder for each of us in that that when he does bring us through through trials or brings you know these these trials come to us and he brings us through those that um, that he is going to ultimately get the glory from that if um, if you continue to seek him in it and um, and give him praise. One of the things that um, I've been reading in Second Timothy this week, and just um, interesting to think that this was the last um, letter that Paul wrote before he was executed. So he was actually knew he was going to die as he was writing this last letter to Timothy. And one of the things that just stood out to me this week was in um, chapter 2. It says, if we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he will remain. He will. He remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. So, just that was just um, just a reminder again this week of just um, just like I said, God's past faithfulness demands um, our present trust today. Jason? Hi. So I, I'm excited to share with you guys just, just what God uh, spoke, spoke to us over the conference. And uh, uh, I went first, first service, so I don't have to explain a lot of these things to you guys. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Guna and just the, the things that he shared about reaching out to these these AIDS victims that um, the, these these kids in India who are orphaned, um, who uh, are left on the temple steps because they're unwanted, they're they're untouchable in their society. Uh, there's different stories uh, like a, a, how it all started, kind of this woman bringing uh, her her child who had AIDS to them, knowing that she was going to die, and just that. Uh, that they would take care of her child, just that she'd be able to die in peace, knowing that her child is taken care of. And just um, so kind of the, the backdrop for me coming uh, to this conference is I've been thinking a lot about uh, 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 prayer and how, how, how we're, 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 Jesus teaches us to come to God as our Father. He re- reveals God, a holy God, as uh, not just some being separated from us, but an intimate, loving God. Who, who, uh, and Jesus teaches us to to come to Him as a child of God. To to be uh, as Jesus is a child of God. We are through Jesus adopted children of God, and so that we come to a loving Father. And so, just seeing seeing this this picture of uh, of people loving. Uh, Children in in a society where they're um, untouchable and and not loved, um, and, and and with a deep need of, of love like that that uh, orphan boy who who, who uh, just wanted to be held by Victoria, um, and and just to, to, to feel tangible love and, and um, that uh, this like this is what what clicked in my mind was just seeing. Here's an example of people loving with a with a, a, 
a, a, a self-sacrificial love that they're, they're willing to lay down their lives. They're willing to step into, hey, I could get AIDS from these people. These people uh, are, are rejected by this society, and I'm going to go and to love them uh, despite, despite um, what their society is telling them. And, and uh, I was encouraged because it shows the love of God for uh, these people who um, aren't loved, who, 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 who will not experience love if uh, these believers ha- hadn't moved. And, and you just see the, the, the extension of God's arm, his loving arm, reaching out to a lost people who, um, who just are, are in, in uh, broken, deep need of, of that love. And so um, I wanted to, to encourage and exhort uh, this body to, to, to see the love of God in this, this example of uh, this church family going out and loving people who are unlovable, the, the AIDS victims, the, the, the lepers in, in, in a society, and encourage us as a body that we would do the same here in Prineville, whether it be broken homed children, whether it be, um, I, I, you, you name it, but we, that we would be encouraged to do the same, to, to, to extend the Father's love to hurting people and um, to, to be, uh, uh, to have Christ in us, the only good in us, reaching out to others. Um, and so just that we would uh, uh, abide in his love, just as Jesus was in the Father's love uh, and that he, he obeyed him and just that uh, we would be in, in Christ's love and we would obey him and his, his, his uh, command, just that we would uh, to love others, um, and, and just we, we see uh, Jesus's uh, act of love, just that he, he didn't uh, consider his life, you know, more precious, you know, just that um, he, he willingly laid down his life for us, that uh, the, the Father willingly gave up his son for us, that, um, you know, just if you're a, a, someone who, who knows about Jesus here today, um, but you don't believe in him, that you don't trust him. Um, I hope you'd hear that there's a father who, who loves you, um, and you, you, you can be confident that you're loved by God because of, of Jesus on the cross, that we can be confident as believers in Christ, that we are loved by God. If believer or unbeliever, you are loved by God, and it is demonstrated on the cross. And so, I want to encourage us as a body to to understand the the the, the length, the 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 height, the breadth, the depth of God's love. Just in the ways that we we see this this church moving, we we can see the Father's love there, and that we'd just come to a a, a small comprehension of the depth of God's love, and and and. That we would take that and and with our little finite understanding of that, like the the deepest expression of God's love possible on earth, was that um, you know greater love has no man than this than that He laid down His life for another, and so that's the deepest human expression of love that we can see, and God's love is so much deeper, so much greater than that, and just that we would take that knowledge and that 
that understanding and that we would love people with the love of the Father. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to encourage you guys with that. How about Kayla? <clears throat> So uh, Jeremy went after me last time, so I'm going to kind of repeat a little bit of what he said. But um, just the Lord has kind of been speaking to me, I guess you could say, through his word and and through the teachers just over the past months or so, just about um, the power of our testimony um, and how he wants to use our testimony, like Jeremy said, for for his glory and for our good. Um, And something that I've just been thinking about is how Um, Our testimonies are not only just for witnessing, not just for the gospel, but our testimonies can be just a great encouragement to the body. Um, Just how God has brought us from, you know, our past and is bringing us to, you know, where he wants us to be. But um, even just in the day-to-day, like, we all struggle. We all have things that we're going through, and, and we all need God. And that's a testimony to his goodness, you know, when he, when he is faithful, when he comes through, when, when we are seeking him diligently, and he, he answers our prayers. And um, it's just been so sweet in our core groups going through John and um, just reading through the, the, sto- the story of the Samaritan woman and, She's just a woman that has a broken past, that has things probably in her past that she doesn't really want a lot of people to know about, but people still know these things. And she's had five husbands, and the one she was living with wasn't even her husband. And um, she has this encounter with Jesus. And that's something I've been learning is when we have an encounter with Jesus, then our response is to go and tell other people about it. Um, when, When you've seen God do something in your life, you want to share about it. Um, And that's what this woman does. After she's had this encounter with Jesus, she goes back to her town and she tells everyone about it. And what happens? They believe. Um, And so just want to encourage you all. Like, I need this more than anything. Like, um, when we have encounters with Jesus, when we've accepted him and when he's redeemed our past and is, is in the process of redeeming us from our past, like, let's share it. Let's share it with our brothers and sisters here to encourage, to exhort, to push each other on. But let's also share it with unbelievers. Let's share it with our family members that don't know Jesus. Let's share it with the people in the grocery store that are having a bad day like Pam was talking about. Let's just share about God's goodness because he is good and he does deserve the glory. And so that's just been something that God has been kind of poking at me with, I guess you could say, is um, I've done something with your life, Kayla. Let's share it with other people. And um, just want to encourage you guys to do the same and um, just as our core groups are a sweet place to do that we're um, we're getting to know each other and it's more comfortable just be willing to share the things that God is doing and even the things that you want God to do that you want God to redeem that you want God to make new Um, the Bible says that we've all been made new creations in Christ and um, let's tell the story of his new creations in us so Lane, you want to make your way up here? Um, just awesome to have these guys and gals, you know, just come up. They're not used to being behind their microphone, but yet, you know, willing and make themselves vulnerable to come up here to proclaim God. So um, just once again, just give a hand to those 
guys, just their willingness to come up and testify to God. So we'll finish out with Blaine and Aaron, and uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Good morning, guys and gals, and happy Mother's Day. You know, what you've just got a chance to hear from all these um, guys and gals who have returned back from Boise and have been touched um, is really the evidence of God's promises. God has promised that if we seek him with everything we've got, he promises to meet us there. And it isn't so much a, a place that we go to, You know, like Kevin had mentioned, this um, um, leadership conference in Boise has been, you know, part of a a tradition here in this body for a number of years. It isn't that that we go to a particular place. It isn't that we listen to a particular speaker. What it is, is going with a heart in prayer that Christ would meet us there. And as you've heard from the testimonies of these people, Christ has met them. Um, It says in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17, uh, the Lord says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. So what happens is when we get an opportunity to get out of our, our comfort zones, maybe get out of our normal routines and our schedules, our day-to-day thing, and get an opportunity to go with um, a group of family believers outside of your situation, outside of maybe your comfort zone, listen to people who um, don't maybe preach the way we're used to hearing preached. Uh, Sometimes that um, gives us an opportunity for God to meet us in places that our normal routine is not open to. And for, for me, as this is the second year that Linda and I have had an opportunity uh, to go over there, um, God has continued to open my eyes for things and with things, sometimes by the conversation during the five hours over and five hours back, like that we have with uh, our friends and family that we ride with. Uh, sometimes it's just hanging out around the Boise area, away from the conference, away from the the mad hustle and bustle. And last year, as Kevin and I and a couple of guys had a chance to kind of hang out in Cabela's and just sit on the floor for almost three and a half hours in there, in the store, just sharing our lives, how Christ has touched us. You know, this year, what what you've heard so far, you guys, and I think what Christ has touched me with as as I was over there in Boise, is, is really the compassion of God from all aspects. You know, you heard um, that, that there was a, a speaker over there was, that was highly intelligent. Dan brought this up. Um, uh, a guy that has doctorates in many things, including, you know, shoot, I think it was psychology, philosophy, Um, that kind of thing, studied abroad here in the States, studied in London, was living in Berlin, Germany, when he came to Boise to to meet us there. And he was asked, as Dan had mentioned, um, why is, if God was a compassionate God, why is there such a thing as hell? 
And as Dan had a chance to explain, and what hit me was he explained to this Turkish cab driver, he says, you have sons, right? And in their, their culture, sons are real important. Sons are, are looked up to, they're cherished. Daughters are too, but sons are really take a special place in a father's life in that culture. And he said, okay, you have a 12-year-old son. That son's raised with all the love and compassion you can possibly pour out on that boy. And when that boy reaches adulthood and chooses to you know, leave the nest, he wants nothing at all to do with you as a father. And you try, and you try to uh, contact him, and you try to um, uh, open up lines of communication and, and, and that kind of thing, and there's just no response. This son, whom you've cherished, has chosen not to have any dealings with you or acknowledge you or even you know, realize that you exist. What do you do? This, this guy asked the cab driver. And the cab driver says, well, I guess I would respect his decision. And he says, I know. And that's, that's what God the Father does. He says, hell wasn't made for us. Hell, according to Matthew chapter 25, was made for the devil and his angels. But he said, a loving, compassionate God who has poured everything he has into you and you choose to leave and, and not acknowledge him, there comes a time he respects your decision as a good father would. And that touched home with me because I've had that happen in my family. Um, you know, no matter what you do, um, you know, uh, uh, your loved one just doesn't want any part of you. And eventually you come to a point where you respect that. That's the compassion of our God to not only those of us who worship him, but the compassion of our God to those um, who turn their nose up at him. You know, and the, the next teaching that, he, that, that we had an opportunity to listen to as, as some of the guys and gals this morning had spoke from this, this pulpit, you know, was uh, the story of the man, you know, the demon-possessed man in Gadara who was saved from that legion of demons. And if you look at the compassion of God in that situation, of course, we see right off, you know, the compassion of God on the demon-possessed man as he saved him. But let's look at the other characters in this, in this story. You have the demons that are there, and you have the city people, right, who came out after they found out what kind of miracle had happened. The demons, as, um, let's see, I think Jeremy uh, read that passage this morning. Um, the demons, when they saw Jesus, you know, came running to his feet to worship him. Now, only God is worshipped like that. God in Christ was demanding worship, and they did worship him. Their request was that Jesus would not send them out into the abyss, but would send them into this herd of swine that was near. A compassionate God allowed them to enter into the swine. And if you know our enemy and what, what Christ says in Matthew chapter 10 as he describes that the enemy has not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Now you get the picture of the demons that entered the swine to run the swine down the hill and drown all of them. You get a good picture of that. But you also get a good picture of that compassionate Father God we have. The other character in this play is you've got the townspeople who when they heard 
um, the, the miracle that had taken place by this guy that was um, powerfully possessed, who was seated at the feet of Jesus in his right mind and clothed. When they came back, the first thing they had done when they heard about this and they saw the truth as to what Christ had done in his sovereign power and provision for this man, they asked if, that Christ would leave. You've got to leave. You've got to go. We can't deal with this. A compassionate God respects that decision. The compassion of our God, you guys, and, and as I was thinking about that over in Boise, um, God had met me with just an individual, maybe enlightenment, in that eight years ago, I had um, an encounter, you know, with God coming home from, from service that pretty much said to me, why, Blaine, have you never surrendered and committed your life to me? Why have you never surrendered? And at that time, the love and compassion of God who drew me home into a, a, a dark room that I could shut the door and hit my knees and cried, not knowing what to say in prayer, not being good at prayer anyway, just saying, Lord, Take it all. Everything I've got is yours. From my life, my physical well-being, to my wife and my children and my business and my finances. Everything I've got, Lord, is yours. And I've got to have you. And if you take my life in the next 30 seconds, you can have everything I've got. I just want you. God is compassionate and loving and that he honored that. He honored that. He met me in that place. He poured out his spirit. And I've never been the same since. Now, in, as you look in hindsight, as I look in hindsight over the last eight years of being saved, um, when I gave him everything, Christ took everything. Some of which I knew was that needed to be taken out of my life, some of which I knew was bad, right? Had to go. And Christ, in his, his loving compassion, took them. Some of those things were relationships that, that I would have hung on to. They looked good to me. I don't know what, you know, um, um, why maybe in, in God's wisdom, his omniscience, you know, would separate me from these. But I understand I gave him everything. And some of those, some of those relationships that, that, that maybe I would have hung on to in my flesh and my own intelligence, he took away. For my good and for his glory. Everything I've got when I wake up every morning that I enjoy, that I'm blessed with, are things that he's given back to me after I've given everything to him. You know, today's Mother's Day. Um, I, I look at my wife this morning, and, well, I would say that I knew she was in bed. I left early this morning. Okay, I looked at her when she got here, all right? Um, and today, not only Mother's Day, but, but we celebrate our 35th wedding anniversary. Um, God has blessed me with that relationship. That's something I gave to him. 
And in his loving compassion, he gave that back. God is a loving God. He's compassionate. He cares. And he knows what's best for us way better than we know. Um, so we had an opportunity to hear different speakers over there, for God to meet us in places that we haven't been met at before. Uh, like I said, each one of these individuals had a fresh personal encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ. And in one way or another, you've heard all these men and women this morning speaking as to how God has touched their heart and their minds and their lives. And, you know, just to end this before Aaron comes on up, um, Sunday they had, we went to church service over there, and it's a, it's a big church. Um, there's a first service and a second service, and both were packed, and I think it sits 2,000-plus people per service. It's, it's, it's an amazing body of believers. And, and myself and my wife, let's see, Ken and Paula and... Dan and Jess, I believe, were the only ones that went to second service. Everybody went to first service. And um, as they began worship, and I think this was maybe at the end of worship, um, Pastor Bob Caldwell got on stage and he said, Hey, listen, uh, so you guys realize this, the nation of Africa has had a lot of refugees, you know, that have come to our town and specifically our church to worship. He says, we have a large congregation um, of Africans that have transplanted to our town and to our church. And he said, it's my privilege to bring um, all the children from the Sunday schools up forth to sing for you. So about 25 or 30, something like that, hopefully I'm not exaggerating too bad, um, little African kids Little boys and girls from the ages of, gosh, I don't know, you guys, four to maybe 10, 11, got on stage on a bleacher kind of thing and stood up and filled the stage and started singing worship music. And then as, as they transferred in this song, they started singing it in their own native tongue and dancing and chanting praises to God. It was so touching. That again, that's the compassion of our God. That's Jesus. He loves you. He loves people. He loves those little kids. And, and Christ in those little kids, singing worship to their creator God in Jesus' name, was incredible to behold. So, you know, here's the thing. We know what, the, what a compassionate God is. We know who he is. We have a glimpse, like Jason was saying, just a little section maybe of an understanding of the depth of his love for us. And his thing is, you're sitting at the poker table and you have chips in front of you. Are you willing to pull all those chips to the center? Are you willing to be all in? Everything in. Every single piece of the puzzle you've got in your life in and again you know his promise is that if you seek him with everything you've got you know he'll meet you there he'll meet you there so Aaron you want to come forth and take over this thank you
Man, some good words this morning, huh? Awesome. It's kind of uh, intimidating to come up here now and follow all that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, can, I can talk too, yes. Uh, <laughs> just want to uh, briefly talk a little bit about Boise for a few minutes. I won't take a lot of time to do that because we also want to have an opportunity to admonish our moms this morning as well. Uh, but just to kind of build upon uh, what you're hearing uh, Boise this year, uh, we've gone four years, my wife and I have gone four years now, I think this was our fourth year, and, and, uh, uh, and, and I have to say, it, it isn't so much about where you go, it doesn't matter so much uh, necessarily from year to year who the speakers are, some years, you know, I've walked away feeling really fed in that, in that sense, and other times I've walked away just feeling really full because of the fellowship and the time together. Uh, and I have to say this year was a, was a unique year uh, for me. You hear a lot of times we talk about going to Boise, and if you haven't gone, this is my admonishment to you um, to consider next year, uh, if you can, signing up to, uh, to be able to go. And it's not just because we want to take a big group, and, uh, and, and we do actually take one of the largest groups, and we travel from you know, pretty far away to get to Boise. Uh, they're always uh, blown away at the size of, of, of the group that we bring from Little Central Oregon, Little Prineville, over to Boise. Um, it's, not about, it's not about that. Uh, it's, it's, uh, for me, uh, you know, the family times together are really incredible. It's hard to replicate that sometimes in the day to day. It's hard to, it's hard to replicate that as we get in, in going in life and the ruts that we get into and the, you know, in the day to day of just life and work and all these other things. And there's something really special, uh, about taking a few minutes, uh, taking a couple of days out of our, out of our busy schedules and, and setting that aside and, and, in, and, and doing this pursuit of God and pursuit of one another. Uh, and, and I believe it's, it's, there's just nothing like that. You're getting out uh, from, from every other distraction, everything that we have in front of us, doing to talk about, hey, we even left our kids behind. And, you know, wh- whatever it, it is that, that we do in the day-to-day, and to get outside of that and to have that time is really incredible. Uh, we do some really fun family things while we're there uh, as this church family. And God's been doing an amazing thing. Uh, in this family over the past year. You know, if you look from year to year, and I, and I kind of told first service, I'm kind of looking from last year's fast to this year's fast, and then kind of feeds right into Boise. We're really just talking about a year of time. I really couldn't have imagined uh, uh, in my wildest dreams what, you know, what God would do in this church. Uh, it's been pretty incredible. Uh, and, and those times of family that happen when we're driving in the car uh, and riding over there and maybe riding, you know, each year we've, it seems we ride with somebody that we don't know. The first year we rode, rode with Kevin and Erica, who we did know, uh, but I got to know Kevin even more and how much he loves theology. And we had some incredible talks uh, about theology and it was rich and it was, and it was good. Uh, this year we rode with, uh, with Lindsay and Rory, who also I know, uh, but, it was, but it was a time just with them. Uh, to get to know them better. And, and, you know, when we're in ministry together, there's not always a lot of opportunity to do that. Uh, and, uh, and so it's been great. The other years we've, you know, we've traveled with families that we haven't got to spend a lot of time with. And so there's been this, just this opportunity to grow. And then we all come together in things like our Saturday night meat feast. And for those of you guys who don't know what I'm talking about, there's a Brazilian restaurant there, which is incredible. They just keep bringing meat on swords. What's not to like about that? Uh, and so they just keep everything, you know, maple, sugar, coated ham and uh, bacon wrapped filet mignon and this garlic and butter thing that just melts in your mouth I don't even know how to describe it it's so good um, 
And every year that kind of turns into a little bit of a competition kind of informally among the men. Uh, a couple of years ago, Chad and I became the reigning champions because you have this little thing. Uh, it goes from red to green. And so, you, you know, you keep it green. That means keep the meat coming. You turn it over when you're saying, I can't take anymore. So, uh, and so we have this competition kind of informally. And so uh, Chad and I, the first year that we, that we took this on, uh, we, we, uh, we had bragging rights because we never went red. It was green the whole time. They finally said everybody was leading the restaurant. We said, okay, we won. We beat the restaurant. So, uh, so that was kind of fun. And then uh, that kind of carried over. And, and uh, this year, I, I, I have to say, I'm actually kind of pleased to be able to relinquish that crown to Ken Kirvin. Ken, way to go. All right. Uh, I have to say, it, it's, uh, it, it, it is kind of a relief. Now I get to be the underdog again. Because this year, is, as I'm watching Ken, just the, the guy is mentally strong. I'm not seeing any weakening happening here. And so I'm trying to pretend I'm mentally strong. But uh, that last piece of filet mignon, I, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm chewing on it. And, and I don't know if you guys have ever eaten to the point where you're this full. But that's a really good cut of meat, and it's really tasty. And I can't swallow it. I'm getting too full that I can't have to take my soda and help wash it down. You're too full when you get to that point. That's, that's beyond full. That's, you know, that's gluttony, right? We're into gluttony at that point. So, uh, but I was glad to finally be able to turn that thing over. And Ken said, oh, we'll turn it over at the same time. He was not done. He's the winner. So uh, it was fun. But those times of family, uh, you really can't, you can't beat. There's some incredible experiences that just happen uh, with being together. And it's been a, a really special thing about Boise. But... That's just one aspect. The other aspect of that is the teaching. And, and I don't know that this year's speakers were any, any better than previous years. But I know when you go with a heart that wants to hear from the Lord, he's going to meet you there. He's going to meet you there. If that's, if that's your intention, if you're pursuing God, he's going to meet you there. And so it just so happened that there were some incredible speakers. Guna, you know, everybody talked about, the, you know, from India. And he's got this orphanage. And, and he spoke to us. Uh, he was one of the first speakers that we heard at the actual pastor's portion of the conference before the main leadership conference started. And he talked to us as pastors about taking risks. You know, this has been a year of this church learning what it means to, at times to take some risks. And I just feel so immature in that still. And, and, and it's, yet it's been something the Lord has been birthing on my heart that, that we would be willing to take risks for the kingdom of God, especially when we're young, especially when we have that ability. He says, look, I'm, I'm getting older now. I'm an older pastor now. I'm talking to you younger pastors. Take risks. Do it. Don't be, don't be afraid. As somebody else said, the Lord's you know, not leaving us there to look like fools. He's calling and he's, he's asking for people who will, who will go and move on his behalf when he says go. And, and we're going to continue to do that as a church. We're going to continue to be a sending church, a discipling church, a church that's willing to go. But it just spoke to my heart. Guna did. And then the next pa- uh, pastor that spoke, Ed, Ed Taylor. Imagine losing your son a couple years ago now. I think it's a two-year anniversary for them this month. You're losing your son of, of 26 years. You know, we all suffer in this life. You know, if, if I were to ask you to raise your hands, how many of you guys have suffered? How many of you have lost somebody? If you haven't, you will. It will happen. But God meets us in suffering. And there's such a testimony. We've heard many people talking about testimonies and how incredible that is. And the testimony of God in suffering. And uh, that just really spoke to my heart. It was powerful and it was, and it was real. And then, you know, there were other teachers. But then just Bob's example. Bob's, Bob's the head pastor there at, at Boise. And, and, uh, uh, and I really like I really like Bob. And it's not just his, his style, the way he preaches, but I just like a guy who's authentic. And here's a guy who lives in fasting and prayer. 
And you know, that's something that the Lord is, has been doing in this church. Any of you guys that have been here long enough know we do a week of prayer and fasting every year, and it's an incredible time. God moves and is powerful. But you know what? There can be a temptation in that to relent. You know, once the fast is over, once that time of seeking God so intently is over, it's easy to say, well, we're, you know, here we go. We're, gonna, we're just going to get back into life, and there's a, there's a tendency to relent. And I've just been really feeling impressed in this season, in my, in my own life, I'm not even speaking, I'm just speaking in my own life, the Lord pressing me into more prayer, not to relent, and it's easy to do, and I've, I've, you know, I fall into that trap all the, all the time, of just life, busyness, business, you know, all these things, work, family, so many other things that are competing for our time, but, but and, and so there, that temptation is always going to be there. It's always going to be there. But just feeling like the Lord pressing in. And, I, and so I just want to encourage you guys. Let's make this a year of prayer and fasting. I don't know what the Lord is going to do. I don't know if it's going to be uh, always as spectacular as going to Nepal and doing all these things. But I, but I do know that I just felt very clearly in my spirit this year as we headed into this fast that the Lord is doing something in people's lives. And some of us, it was my testimony, I'll just give you my, it was my testimony that the Lord needed to do some things very specifically in my life, just like Blaine was talking about. In order for, for what God wanted to continue to do, there were things that needed to be done first. And, and, and I just have this feeling that the Lord is doing that in this body. You hear the testimonies up here today. You, you, you hear the work that God is, is doing in individuals and in families, and it's incredible, and it, and it makes my heart full. You know, as we were sitting out at the restaurant, and I looked out, and I saw 30, you know, 30 people that I know just, just enjoying that time together, and my heart was full, but my heart was just as full, maybe even fuller today, to hear the testimonies of God at work in lives and in power in people's lives. And my heart is full. I, I, I'm excited for what God's going to do. But I believe he's calling us to continue to be a church that is willing to pray and is willing to fast and is willing to go after him. He'll meet us there. I guarantee you he will meet you there. If you do that, he will meet you. So with that said, we're going to move into the Mother's Day uh, portion of this. Um, we're actually going to bring the kids in. I don't want that to freak you guys out. It's okay if they're a little noisy. First service, we had a couple flower sword fights going on, and that's okay. You know, this is a family service today, uh, and we're going we're gonna to treat it as such. But, uh, but go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 9. That will kind of form the basis of a very short sermon. Uh, in fact, I was, I was sitting up here and Jeremy Green was like, Hey, I've got three points. I'm like, Great, we got a sermon. Jer no. Uh, so you're going to have a bunch of mini sermons today. Uh, and uh, we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. And I want to say there's something very significant about this. You know, we think of Proverbs, we think of Solomon, we think of the wisest man who, you know, in, in, in the word of God, we see, you know, he's a very wise king. He, you know, he was offered all these things and he asked the Lord for wisdom. And the Lord gave him that and much, much more. But Solomon was also the, the, the son of Bathsheba. We know, uh, you know, we know from, uh, from the biblical account that that was a, that was a kind of a, a rough area of David's life. You know, there was a lot of sin involved in that. It'd be easy to look at that and, and, to, and to look down on Bathsheba, look down on the situation and, and the fact that here's Solomon born essentially out of, out of David's sin. And that temptation would be there. And, and you know what? Not all of us have perfect parents. just want to admonish you in that. Not all of us have perfect parents, but that doesn't alleviate the, the call that God has that we would honor them. So we're going to walk through this real briefly today. Uh, I'm going to try to hurry. A lot of you are like, man, I'm starving. You know, I, I want you to know, and when I, when I 
speak on Sundays at any length of time, uh, I usually don't eat, and I do that so I can also identify in your suffering. So I won't go too long, all right? So uh, I won't go. Uh, my, my stomach is already like, I'm hungry, hurry it up here. So, um, so Proverbs 1, 7 through 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Pay attention, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. So we're just going to camp out here in, in Proverbs for a moment, and just want you guys to think again. This is, you know, this is Solomon. This is the, the wisdom literature that we, that we so often think of. We think of Proverbs. We think of Solomon's writings in a, in a book of wisdom. I thought, how appropriate is it that the first, very first chapter, here he is admonishing us that the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge and fools despise instruction. And then he goes on to say, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. How incredible is that? And here's, you know, here's a great king who was also the son of a great king. We know that. We know about King David. We know about Solomon. Uh, and so to hear these words, I think it's very wise of us to, to heed what he's saying. And, and you know, we see an example actually in, uh, of Solomon here that I think is just a beautiful picture. Uh, you know, that even great kings should bow to their mothers. Okay? So we see that. We see that in 1 Kings 2.19. I'm going to read this to you. I want you to keep in mind everything that we've already said. It said, Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king arose to meet her bowed before her and sat on his throne. Then he had a throne set for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. Isn't that a, a, a beautiful picture? The king of Israel, this great king, honors his mom who comes to speak with him. They had a conversation. He rose for her, and then he bowed to her, and he called for a throne to be set beside him so that he could speak with his mom. What a, what a beautiful what a beautiful picture. You know, in, in, Timothy, or in 2 Timothy, which we already heard a little bit from today, but 2 Timothy 1.5, you know, here's Paul admonishing Timothy, and he says, I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I'm sure that it is in you as well. And he goes on in chapter 3, he says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Evil people and imposters will flourish. They'll deceive others and themselves be deceived. He's kind of talking about the end times. But he says, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. And I would put in parentheses, by your mother. In addition to Paul. Paul obviously was, but by your mother. You know they are true, for you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. So this morning, moms, we want to continue to honor you. You know, we see this idea of family. Now, I want you to understand that this is God's idea. Family and the way that family is is God's idea. And it's tempting in our culture. Uh, our culture, it's very easy to see how, how the, the value that's given to mothers and fathers has waned. And the role that mothers and fathers play in the lives of these children has waned. But your role, moms, is extremely important. Your role, dads, is very important. But moms, we're speaking to you today. And this family idea, this was God's idea. So our society could say, no, we don't need two moms. We, can have two, or we don't need a mom. We can have two moms or two dads. That's not the way God designed family to be. Your role as a mom is, is an important role, one that should be valued, honored, and cherished. 
The second thing here is that we see family as a school. Family is God's basic school for instructing, instructing children how to live in the world. And so while we have children's ministry and we desire to help disciple your kids, the, the truth is, is that the most important place where they're going to be discipled is, is in your care and in your home. Your role is extremely, extremely important. And so third, we see the fear of the Lord is the unifying theme. And the foundation of family instruction is the fear of the Lord. So moms, while you're, you're teaching them to, uh, to, to eat with a spoon and to uh, learn to pick up their room, the most valuable thing that we can teach them along the way is also that they would fear the Lord. It's an important role. Number four, there's, it's a responsibility of both fathers and mothers. So fathers, we're not leaving you out of this entirely. Uh, but it doesn't say fathers instruct and mothers change diapers. Under God's design, both mothers and fathers share in that responsibility. You know, if we go back to, uh, to Proverbs, it says, uh, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. This is, a, this is a combined role, and it's not that one is necessarily more important than the other. It does not say fathers work at the office and you have no responsibility to teach your children. It doesn't, doesn't say that. Or moms go and work, and, and it's a responsibility to the caregiver to, to raise your children. God's designed the family to work the way he does. And, and mothers, it's a great responsibility to teach your children. And it's a great privilege as well. You know, finally, uh, you know, we just want to take a quick look that, you know, there's some reward there to honoring, uh, to honoring our fathers, honoring our mothers. You know, in, in our verse here, it talks about that being a, a wreath that's, that's, that's wrapped around you. And in Exodus, we see in 2012, it says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is giving you. So he, he, he promises a couple different things. He's promising long life. And he's promising that things will go well. That's a great foundation to get started with. If nothing else, that's, that's one of the foundational commandments that Jesus gives us, is, is to honor our fathers and our mothers. In, in Proverbs 23, it says, Do not despise your mother when she is old. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. So there's not a statute of limitations on this. Some of you fathers who are out here listening, thinking that, that you've moved on. It doesn't matter if you're five or 35 or 55 today. The call is to honor your mom. You know, as we kind of come to a close here and before the kids distribute these, these beautiful flowers to the moms, uh, we just want to take a quick look at Jesus too, right? Always want to look at Jesus. Luke eight nineteen through 21, it says, Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And we know that at this point in time, Jesus is becoming kind of a, a popular guy. There's a lot of people gravitating to him. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So, you know, he's, he's taking this, this teaching moment and he's, and he's teaching something. And it would be really easy for us to look at that and see, well, see, even Jesus doesn't place a, a huge emphasis on, on, on moms or on family. You know, it would be tempting to do that. We sometimes will sacrifice those things in our life. We'll sacrifice those thinking that we're doing something, something greater. But, you know, it goes on. We look at the whole counsel of Scripture. We don't see that as an excuse. In fact, Jesus himself uh, goes after the Pharisees for saying that you're, you're not honoring your father and your mother in that commandment because you've created traditions of men that allow you out of that. Right? So we know that Jesus values mothers. And so it's just kind of interesting to me that the last thing that Jesus does, he's on the cross. There's two things Jesus does in 19, 25 through 27 uh, of John. The first thing we do is we see him minister to two, two criminals that are, that are beside him, and one specifically. He's taking the time to minister to somebody in his last hour of need. 
And then beyond that, one of the last things that we see Jesus do, he says, but standing at the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and John, the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, and I love this, this is John. This is what many scholars have often said, you know, this is maybe Jesus' closest earthly brother, a closest earthly disciple, you know, his buddy, his friend. John often refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He says, behold your mother. He's, that's his, one of his last words to John. Behold your mother. And it goes on to say, and from that hour the disciple John took her to his own home. I love that, that one of the last things Jesus is thinking about in that moment, he could have been proclaiming some, some profound theology. He could have been, you know, still reasoning with people about who he was. He, he takes the time and he looks at his buddy, John, and he says, take care of my mom, John. Take care of my mom. So just an admonishment to you guys today. We honor you and, and the role that you play, mothers, in the life of your kids is extremely important.